Good morning. Uh, I'm Rona Hutchinson, and normally I worship in the little lounge downstairs. I've been a member of this church for over 30 years, <laughs> and it's great to once again to be reading the scriptures for you. So shall we turn to Psalm 24? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, the King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Amen. Thank you, Rona, for reading God's word to us. Let's take a moment to pray, shall we? Father, we pray this morning that as we come to and have already heard your word being read to us, and as we now come to listen, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds. And Father, we pray that the words of my mouth this morning and the meditation of my heart, but also of all of our hearts, may be acceptable to you, our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. So this morning we are continuing our series on the Psalms, and uh, those of you who have been with us during throughout this year, you will know sort of where we're heading, and as Abby said, we've skipped a couple Psalms, but we've done really most of them. And, and really, part of the, the reason of this series, uh, for those perhaps that are, are new here this morning, is that we have engaged, we have embarked as a church um, on a year of prayer, and we want to learn how to pray with the Psalms. Um, and so that's why we've had this series running in the first few months of this year, going through the Psalms, sort of looking at how can we learn to pray with the Psalms. And I was quite pleased that I was assigned Psalm 24 because I, I like this Psalm, I love this Psalm, I, I know this Psalm. And yet, as I was preparing this week to preach on this Psalm, I discovered that although we're doing this psalm now in this period of Lent, the period of preparation for Good Friday, for Easter, that perhaps this psalm is a bit more appropriate for either the Easter weekend or the festival, the Day of Ascension. Um, and so I'll talk about it a bit more later in this sermon. 
But first, let's just turn our, our minds, our attention to, to the psalm itself, because it seems to be you know, a fairly straightforward psalm. It begins with this beautiful verse, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. So just have a look around you. People to your left, to your right, think about how you got here this morning, think about the house you woke up in. Everything is the Lord's. Everyone here is the Lord's. The whole earth belongs to our Lord. And that's how this psalm begins, with this expansive vision of the whole earth which belongs to God. After it, it zooms in on this special place that we read about in the Old Testament over and over, this, this mountain of the Lord, this holy hill where God's presence dwells in a special way. Probably should think about, you know, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And the question becomes in this psalm, you know, who is worthy? Who may ascend this mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in this holy place? And you get a list of qualifications. You, know, you need to have a pure heart. Uh, you need to have a clean hands. Those who don't trust in idols, don't, do, don't swear falsely. This is the generation that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. This is the generation that, on whom God will bestow His blessing, who will be vindicated by God, their Savior. And so after sort of zooming in on this, this temple mount and talking about who is, who is worthy to ascend the mountain, then this psalm turns its gaze to the King of glory that is coming to enter this space. The King of glory. And so this psalm is... It's starting to speak against the gates because, of course, the king of glory is so great. He's majestic. And it's, so, so this psalm starts talking to the gates. Lift up your hands, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient door, so that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The, the Lord who is strong and mighty, who is mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, ancient doors, so that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? It's the Lord Almighty. He is the king of of glory. And, and so when you read this psalm, you sort of see it focusing from earth on Jerusalem and then the arrival of the king. Of course, people, and if you start to read commentaries, you know, people have been speculating on when was this psalm originally written, what is sort of the occasion for which this psalm was written. And, and there are different explanations. There is you know, an explanation that when David comes in with the ark into Jerusalem, you can read about it in 2 Samuel 6. Uh, that this perhaps is the occasion for this psalm when you can imagine, you know, the priests walking in front of the ark, the ark which represented the presence of God, and, and these priests are, are walking towards the holy hill and they're talking among themselves, who can ascend this holy hill? And they talk about these qualifications before finally the ark representing the presence of the Lord of glory, the King of glory, enters into this tent that was prepared by David. There's also a Jewish tradition that puts this psalm on the, on the lips of Solomon as the first temple is dedicated. You can read about that in 1 Kings 8. And uh, you know, you, you read this whole story about how the first temple is being made and all the stuff is being prepared. And then finally, the Ark of the Covenant is being brought into the Holy of Holies. And this tradition says that as that happens, the doors won't open. And King Solomon starts praying, lift up your heads. O gates, be lifted up ancient doors for the king of glory wants to come in. 
And after some back and forth, finally the doors open and the ark goes in. But be that as it may, you know, we could spend all morning speculating about the historical setting of this psalm or when it was originally written. But what we really are after in this series and what we really want to be thinking about this morning as a church, as people of God gathered, is how we can pray with this psalm, how as Christians we can pray this psalm, how we can learn how to pray well with the words of this psalm. And so I hope you you can bear with me this morning, because what I did this week, I looked at different ways that Christians throughout these centuries have been praying this psalm. Is that okay? And so so I just want to, to give you a few examples of how Christians throughout the centuries have been praying this psalm and what they may teach us, how that may help us to pray this psalm as well. And as I said, one of the ways in which this psalm has been prayed throughout the ages, and it begins in early church history and it goes all the way to our Baptist brother Spurgeon, is that this psalm has been connected with ascension, the ascension of Christ. And the question that was being asked, of course, is, you know, who is the one with clean hands? Who is the one with a pure heart? It's none of us. It can only be Christ. And so, so what is this talk about these, these gates that need to be opened? Well, of course, that's the gates of heaven as Christ ascends to heaven. These gates need to be opened. And there's even this story that goes back as far as a guy who's called Justin Martyr. And if you don't know him, that's fine. He was a Christian who lived in the second century. And, and he tells this story about how the watchers at the gates of heaven, they are... They hear this voice and that says to them, lift up your heads, O gates, so that the King of glory may come in. And they look out and and what they see is a human appearing. And not not just an ordinary human, but a human scarred, a human who was once crucified. And so they wonder, who is this King of glory? To which the Father and the Spirit say, this is the King of glory. Of glory. This is the Lord strong and mighty in battle. And so the, ki- the gates of heaven open for this king of glory. And, and I just want to suggest that if we read this psalm by thinking about Christ's ascension into heaven, it becomes a psalm, and the words will appear on the screen here, it becomes a psalm really of thanksgiving. Let me explain why. There's this other church father, and again, if you don't know the name, that's fine, by the name of Athanasius, who said, really? Do the gates of heaven need to be open for Christ? Isn't he the word of God, the father, the creator of everything? Does there need to be this conversation? To to which Athanasius says, you know, these gates, of course they would open for Christ. But the reason this conversation is here in this psalm is because these gates of heaven are now not just opening for Christ. He is opening the gates of heaven for us. Of course, he could enter in, but we could never enter in. And so this man, the man with a pure heart and clean hands, he is opening up the gates of heaven for us so that he might be enthroned at the right hand of God the Father and that we might be following him. And be placed in the presence of God together with Christ. And so one way I would suggest we can pray this psalm is 
is by reading this psalm and, and thinking of that day of ascension and th- praying the psalm as a, a prayer of thanksgiving where we give thanks to Jesus that he has opened up the gates of heaven so that we may enter in with him to be with God forever. Now, there's another way in which this psalm was read throughout the ages. And that's why I said that this psalm might also be very appropriate for the Easter weekend. And that is, um, that has to do, perhaps I, I should go back, and, and this father of the church you may know, his name is Augustine, and he's also quite well known to us as Protestants, of course. And, and he's reading this psalm, and he is wondering, why do you have this repetition at the end? Why does it say, why, why do you have this repetition about the doors having to be opened? And about the gates having to lift up their heads. And Augustine says it is because it's about two different occasions. The second time it's about Christ ascending to the gates of heaven. But the first time it's about Christ descending into to the realm of the dead. When Christ died, he went to the realm of the dead, which in the New Testament is also called Hades or hell. And he broke down the doors of the realm of the dead. Now, this may be an interpretation that is not very familiar to many of us, but perhaps if you have been visiting ancient churches uh, throughout Europe, you may have come across this picture that you see in a lot of churches, and especially sort of Eastern Orthodox churches, but in, in other churches as well. What you see in this picture is you see Christ, and He is trampling the doors of the realm of death. And you see there below, you see the locks of the doors of death that are broken forever. These doors are open. And Christ is reaching out His hands. And to, the, to His left, to your left, yeah, you see Adam. And to the right, you see Eve. And these other figures there are presenting the saints of old. King Solomon, King David, the guy with the shepherd's staff, they're Abel. And He is lifting them up from the realm of death, he broke down those gates to bring them up with him to his father's presence. And, um, and I was told actually by two people that are sitting here this, this morning in our church that in some church traditions, this, this picture is really still a, a very prominent picture and this, this interpretation is still uh, very prominently connected to Psalm 24 even to this day. And that is, if you would attend an Easter service, or a Pascha service as they call it, in an Eastern Orthodox church. You know, these services, they don't last for one and a half an hour. They last for, I don't know, a very long time. They begin on Saturday and go all the way through Sunday. And, um, and so what, what happens, you know, as this service goes on all the way through the night, at one point the congregation leaves the church, but one person stays in. And that one person, then, then the congregation goes into procession and they carry the gospel. And the priest goes and knocks on the door of the church and says, Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And the person who's left in the church is asking the question, Who is this king of glory? And you know how that goes. And so eventually the doors of the church open. And again, the people are shown this picture of Christ trampling the doors of the gates of the realm of death. 
very powerful. And I think if we, if we learn to pray the psalm this way, it suddenly becomes a psalm of victory. It becomes a song and a prayer of victory where we thank Jesus for what He has done, where He has broken the power of death forever and ever through His power, through His death. He has broken the power of death. And so we thank Jesus and we, we thank Him for the victory that He has obtained. Perhaps a very different way of praying this psalm than you had imagined. There's a third way of praying this psalm, and perhaps that's a way of praying this psalm that is most appropriate to the season of Lent, to the season where we come to prepare for Good Friday, for Easter, to remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for that interpretation of the psalm, I don't want to go to church history again. Maybe you're a bit bored of that now, but let's, let's go to the New Testament, okay? And, and we have this story in the New Testament that I think plays out this psalm in a very particular way, perhaps an unexpected way. And you can go and read this story in the New Testament yourself, um, but I'm going I'm to retell it for you. It's, you can find it in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10. And it's about this guy called Zacchaeus, you know, and he lives in Jericho. And, and we're not told much about Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus, he is, we're told that he is, he's wealthy, he's small. Um, people don't like him because he's a tax collector, and what that means is that he collaborates with the enemy of the Jewish people, the Romans, and he cheats people out of money. He makes poor people even poorer. So he's not loved, but one day Zacchaeus hears that this guy named Jesus is coming to the gates of Jericho. And, and you know, he has heard things about Jesus. He has, he has heard how he claims to be able to forgive sin. He, is, he has heard that Jesus can, has healed sick people. He has heard about Jesus driving out demons. He has heard about people, Jesus eating with sinners. And so he, there's something about this Jesus that makes him want to seek this Jesus out. And so Zacchaeus, he, he runs through the city gates. And because he's small, but perhaps also because he, he's ashamed and he wants to hide, he climbs in this tree. And there he sees this king of glory entering through the gates of Jericho. And this king of glory walks towards the tree that Zacchaeus is hiding in. And he looks up, and he says, Zacchaeus, wait, Jesus knows my name? Zacchaeus, I want to eat in your house today. Jesus, that's, that's fine, of course. Come eat in my house. It, you know, maybe a bit, I'm a small man, the gates are not that high, they maybe cannot really lift them up, but you're welcome in my house. That's okay, Zacchaeus. I can stoop down and come into your house. And as this conversation is happening, you know, the people around there, they, they're beginning to mutter. It's like, what is this, Jesus? Some call him king of glory. Is he? The king of glory is supposed to have Meals with people of pure hearts and clean hands, right? What is this, going into the house of the sinner? 
And Jesus stoops down, goes into Zacchaeus' house, and they share a meal together. And it is in the presence of this king of glory that Zacchaeus realizes having this meal with this king of glory, looking at him with compassion, not with condemnation, that Zacchaeus realizes, I have cheated people out of money. I have done things that are wrong. And so he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I know actually that the earth and everything in it belongs to you. And if I've ever cheated people out of money, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay them back four times the amount of money. In fact, I'm, on top of that, I'm going to give away half of all my possessions to the poor. That is what the presence of the King of Glory does. And I can see just Jesus saying, hold on a moment, Zacchaeus. Going outside, looking at the people that are gathered there in front of the door, you know, waiting to see how this is all going to play out. And Jesus says, you know, this is someone who seeks the face of the God of Jacob. You know, this man that you all despise, this is someone who is blessed by the Lord and who is vindicated by God, his Savior. This man is a son of Abraham. Because I, the son of man, have not come to condemn, but I've come to seek and save those who are lost. And I think if we begin to pray the psalm through the lens of this story, it becomes a psalm of desire, a psalm in which we can express our desire for the king of glory to come into our house, to come into our lives, so that we, in the presence of the king of glory, may become aware in this season where we prepare in Lent, where we may become aware of those things in our lives that do not yet belong to God. Those things in our lives that we keep hiding away from Him. Those corners of our lives that we don't want to give over to Him. And it becomes a prayer in which we express our desire. King of glory, come into my house and show me in your presence what it is that I need to give to you so that I may be truly someone who seeks your face, who longs to be in your presence. So I don't know where you're at this morning, and I don't know what way of praying this psalm perhaps may be most helpful for you. But I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you, maybe this week, you know, spend a week, or perhaps every morning or every evening, whenever it's most suitable, you pick up your Bible and you read this psalm and you pray it. You pray it as a, as a prayer of thanksgiving for Jesus who has opened the gates of heaven so that you can come in with him because of what he has done. Pray it as a prayer in which you remind yourself of Jesus' eternal victory over death and give him thanks for his victory, that he is reaching out his hand, that he did reach out his hand to you, breaking through those doors and said, come with me, come and turn from death to life. 
Come with me into the Father's presence. And that perhaps you, you can begin to pray this psalm as well as a prayer of desire where you say, Jesus, I want to have fellowship with this King of glory. Thank you that you want that as well. I know that everything belongs to you. And if there is anything that doesn't belong to you yet, Lord Jesus, I want to give it to you. Because from you and through you and to you are all things. Amen. I'm going to sing a song to respond to this message. If you're able, please stand and let's sing together.